I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. What he said, dominate, and we not doing it. I'm putting my heart in this shit, dog. Let's go, man. Let's go, bro. Let's go. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennock. Doing a mini camp roundup. We got um, five, five, six things to talk about. We'll do giant stories too. Justin, how are you? Roundup, wrap up. I prefer the word wrap up. I'm the producer, therefore that's the word that's going in the title. Bobby Skinner, I'm good. Kind of ended my. I, I ended a job recently, and I will hopefully be going on to a new job or multiple jobs. And I decided to go to a football field and uh, absolutely just destroy a tackling dummy. Yeah, that was pretty good too. I was compared to Blake Martinez, which I already do look like Blake Martinez, which the Dave Gettleman account, the our, our, not the Dave Gettleman account, the Dave Gettleman, um, good friend of the program, he morphed my face on top of Blake Martinez's like face already, and I somehow made Blake Martinez look about 10 years older than he actually is. Well, Blake's probably, he's only like 27 years old, you know, so it's not a huge age difference, so you're you're good. I added like wrinkles to his face. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, um, it happens. How are you? I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Um, oh, okay. I'm 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 podcasting while injured. My I bruise my ribs while playing basketball. Yes, you got an elbow. So here's the thing. I'm a big. I'm I'm six foot seven. My brother yep. is not. We naturally like we we literally mm-hmm. split the hoop like. You know he he it's at his house, so he paid like a hundred like forty bucks. I paid like a hundred bucks. You know since it's at his house, so we play against each other a lot. Like basically our routine is we'll go out shoot around, we'll do a free throw contest, we'll play a game called Lazy Twenty One, where it's you know because there's only two people, it's you shoot where the second bounces off the other person's miss, and then we play one on one, and he fouls the crap out of me when we play one on one because he's like six inches shorter than me. And I'm dribbling with my left hand, and I got my right hand up as kind of like a as like a as a guard, and he just basically like hockey checks me, and I like punch mm. myself in the ribs, man, and immediately it hurt. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Last time I bruised my ribs, I couldn't breathe; like it hurt to breathe. This time it just hurts to move certain ways. So, well, you're playing through the pain. Good for you. Oh, I finished the game. I finished the game. I finished with a layup. I went to the right because I didn't want to leave my my ribs exposed. And then yeah. the game winner, I just. He checked it, and I shot a J right there, and went it, and it went in. Which is the shot I practiced the most. So, I think it's Apollo and Rocky too. It's like, oh look at look at the announcers like, oh look at Apollo, he's covering those ribs. It could be Rocky one or Rocky two. I'm sorry for getting the reference wrong. So mini camp, mini camp, mini. Camp. Of, first of all, very different from last year. First of all, you killed social media, so congratulations to you. Um, but fun to just follow the drops that came from all these press conferences. Like, cause that's the thing that was different from last year. Yeah, we did. That's last year's off season sucked. Like it really, it was very deflating last year's off season, you know, amid the pandemic. Cause we just didn't get anything. You know, they had some virtual meeting. There was nothing. So it's like, even like looking at clips and highlights and even looking at the pictures and going through all the, pre- like it's a, it's a, it was fun. This was a fun week. I love these type of things. Like I, I really do value these. You get these interviews, you get, it's like, it's, it's like the first day of the new season, to be honest. Like, that's yeah. what these are like. You know, training camp is the real deal. But this is like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like an ori- it's like orientation to the 2021 season. You know, where it's like we've totally moved on from the draft. You know, rookie camp's over. And it's like, okay, this 
this is our team. 90 guys here, new coaching staff. Don't expect any type of changes in between now and when the season starts, you know? So um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed like covering it this week. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun getting everybody back together, um, especially this being year two of Joe Judge, and and we can maybe talk about this with some specific players just getting comfortable with uh, with scheme and schematic, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because Patrick Graham is kind of more fun than Jason Garrett, if we're being real, and that's not really a dig towards anybody, just Patrick Graham is more fun. But seeing everybody here year two and the, ex- the general excitement that was around the team to kind of end the year and seeing everybody back, and it's like, yeah, we kind of believe what we're doing and we haven't had that. We just flat out, even when we were good in 2016, there were, there was there's a flat out belief in what's going on in the building, and you can kind of see it personified in, you know, these corny press conferences that usually you can't get a lot out of anyway. But at least I feel like we're feeling that kind of energy, which is fun. Yeah, everyone's more comfortable. It's year two in the system, and and there's there's expectations of this team to win. Yeah. So it's it's a lot more fun, and I think that really hit me this week. It's like, hey. The expectations are the win. Like ten wins, you know, our 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 guys, the um the New York Giants rush guys, they you know, they they uh, patented this slogan, ten wins the floor. And like that mm. that is the expectation for this New oh, York I Giants. Love that. Ten wins the yeah. floor. Um But let's let's get into what we got out of this minicamp. And first of all, the preseason schedule dropped, you know, the mm. dates and times, which we'll we can go through that. But with that, the Giants will be doing joint practices with the Browns and the Patriots. Both will be on the road, even though the Giants' uh, game is at home, which that is going to be fun. We didn't have that with the Pat Shermer era. I don't did, did McAdoo do those? I don't I don't remember. Did Pat Shermer do it with the Bengals one year? I don't remember. I was was that McAdoo? I wasn't. I forget. I wasn't. I forget. Well, no, because I don't think we play. I don't know. But anyways, regardless. Um, we'll be doing those joint practices and go through the preseason schedule. The first one is Saturday at 7.30 versus the Jets, the MetLife Bowl. Yes. Which that's always just a fun game, the MetLife Bowl. Saturday night. It's Saturday night. Um, Sunday. Now, our next two, our, our week two and week three preseason games, only three games this year, are both Sundays. The second one on August 22nd is at the Browns at 1 o'clock. A one o'clock Sunday preseason game. I awesome. I think I love it, but I also part of me would kind of like, eh, you know, Sunday. Like we're you know we're trying to enjoy our our final Sundays before the season starts. No, it, it'll be a good warm up. I think the next. So re- read the read the third preseason game, and then I'll get and my. And then thoughts. the third one is versus the Patriots at six o'clock on a Sunday, um, and then they'll be practicing in New England before that. Even though that one's in New Jersey, but without the fourth preseason game, you still have two weeks from the end of that game to the start of the regular season where in past years it was last preseason game next week is the real is the regular season that's gonna suck that week is gonna suck it's cut week no but that week the the, at least the weekend after the third preseason game is going to suck it's like a bye week it's like a bye it's like make enjoy this weekend get ready for you know like cut day is that saturday get ready for the you know like your last this is your last sunday for for four months Five months really for, with the playoffs. Yeah, five because we're gonna we're gonna end it in November. Uh, November. We're gonna end it in, in February, right? Um. Yeah. Well. So we'll see what the vibe is like during that little bye week. But I like how we're having the Sunday games because at least for us, Bobby Skinner, it's, it's good preparation for us. Like, let's get back into the Sunday flow. Sunday at six o'clock will sort of be like a Sunday at four o'clock. That'll be a good test for Week One, and then just having a good Sunday one o'clock game. You know, Week Two. 
against the Bengals. That I think we're I think we're gonna judge we're judging and we're estimating that that's gonna be the game that the starters play the most. So that'll be really good training for us to get going. Yeah, get the pot out by Monday, get some analysis out by Monday. So I think it's, it'll it'll be a good warm up for us. For sure. How everybody else feels, I don't know. Yeah, but Thursday night, like that thir- Thursday night, feels like a preseason too, and we we kind of get yeah. robbed with that a little bit. But let's talk about the joint practices. You're gonna be doing them. Versus Cleveland and um and with New England, like like I said, both will be um at the at the opposing practice facilities. Um, I love it. It brings you competition yes. where you're not going against the same guys. You know, like Andrew Thomas, his best preparation for the regular season will be versus the Browns in practice. You know, where it's <laughs> like you know, like you know not you know, just adding the preseason games helps. But he's going from his best pass rusher that he's probably going to go up against being, you know, Lorenzo Carter to Miles Garrett, who's, you know, in top five for defensive player of the year every single year. And it it, it kind of gives you like that scout team feel while also going up against competent players, you know, where it's R1s versus their ones and R2s versus their twos, where in the, you know, regular season, it's 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 ones versus, you know, twos and a halfs um, and, you know, and vice versa. So it and it also kind of gives them a break. Like Judge Judge actually brought that up. He's like, kind of gives the guys a little bit of rest. That where it's like it's not always our offense versus their defense. It's like our offense versus their defense, and then yeah. they take a rest while the while the opposite side of the uh, ball goes on. But I love it. It breeds competition. As you know, injuries happen in training camp every year, so it's not like I don't think these breed any more injuries. Obviously, you don't want to see any fights. Um, I know they can be fun and fun to talk about, but they it does ruin a day of practice when you. If you have a fight like Washington and Houston had, um, but I, I like it. Here's my first question. I mean, obviously the judge to Patriots connection is understandable, but this isn't really something I looked into. Where where does the judge to Stefanski connection come in? Because I kind of love that there's a connection between those two coaches. So I don't know if it's something that's apparently obvious with like they've coached together at this school or whatever. Do you have any information on that? They actually. Nice, nice send. It. Nice, good job sending that to me. I, I know you're setting me up. They actually were high school teammates for very, oh. for very little when they were their freshman year, and then Judge transferred to another school. It says for family reasons, but I think it's because Kevin Stefanski won the QB starting QB job at the high school. Um, oh, tough. But well, you know, we'll see. I, hey, that's me just guessing. There was, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, no def, defin, definitive answer on that. But I bet you it has more to do through like coaching and and making connections and um, than it necessarily does like oh like they they were they're just so close from that one year they spent together in high school. No, but I love how this is another coaching tree that somehow Joe Judge is connected to. I mean, if there's a if there's a brain in football right now that I would love a. Uh, you know, Joe Judge to pick, or even just you know, Bobby. You know, we talk, you talk about this all the time. You specifically, how the NFL is a copycat league, right? And if you're not taking from other smart people who are successful in the NFL, especially on the offensive side of the ball, if you're not taking from them, you're kind of losing, right? You know, Pat Shermer did a little bit of that. Um, you know, I don't know if Jason Garrett did it, and I don't know if there was ever a time where we definitively picked it out last year that Jason Garrett ever did it. But if there's a team to pick it from. Um, you know, maybe not in the run game because their run game is so niche with the outside zone scheme, 
But in the passing game and how they, you know, they they run crossers and play action, they get Baker Mayfield out of the pocket, they get him away from the pocket, so he has a lot of time to throw. I mean, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback last year with the with the most amount of time to throw out of any quarterback in the National Football League because I do think they ran that play action, they got him out of the pocket, so he, he was able to sit. So if there's any brain in the National Football League right now that I would like Joe Judge to pick or even just, just to get a, a week of film against and to see how we stack up, it's the Cleveland Browns. And they also have a very good roster. Yeah, I mean like, they're they're, top to they're like a, you know a favorite to challenge the Chiefs in the AFC, which I I am very interested to see how the NFL adjusts to that Cleveland offense because it is a very like it's like okay like this is what they do you know they have a very clear identity you know they're not changing week to week. Um, yep. But I but that's that's not what talking Giants is all about. So I'm, I'm excited about that. There's going to be a ton of good competition in that. And like what's crazy is. You think about the offseason two years ago and how relevant it was, it seemed like, every week. But also Odell. Like, that's kind of got to be weird. You know, Odell with a lot of his friends, you know, Shep's his friend, Ingram's his friend, Saquon's, like, a lot of his friends. Um, that's going to be kind of kind of like a, a weird situation right there. Isn't it crazy that that happens and it's like, you don't really think about Odell for more than a few seconds? Where it's like two offseasons ago, man, it seemed like every week I was talking about Odell. Yeah. You, well, it wasn't even two off seasons ago. You you had a YouTube video during the regular season this year where you had a rant about Odell. Yeah, but that was like the one time I talked about him all year. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like the year before, like it seemed like every week we were talking about Odell on the podcast because he wouldn't stop talking. So that I mean that that's you know that'll be fun watching Odell and and we got we got robbed of that in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, and we don't. I mean, also he's coming off the injury too, and maybe this can segue us into Barkley if you want to do that. Two good radio segues by me. Look at me go. Um, I don't know how much we're going to see Odell. Um, and it, it's kind of similar to Barkley because we're coming from all these injuries. Yeah. So let, let's let's transfer to, to Saquon. Let's transfer the power. Saquon Barkley. Look at me. He had his presser. And they were needling him trying to get a timetable and finding out where he is injury-wise. And I'm sure this is kind of company line. But they were... He would not give them anything, and they tried their hardest to like get like a status update. Are you ready for week one? And he wouldn't give them a single thing. And I, I really do think they're going to try and ease him back in, you know, which makes the Devontae Booker signings, you know, make a little more sense. Where it's like, hey, they're actually going to need to rely on this guy a little bit. Um, which, you know, with a player like Saquon. Do you pound it like even if he was fully healthy? Is it like is it maybe like you don't pound him into the ground? And he's like you give him. His... Actually, no, I, I take that back. If he's fully healthy, you use him as. I have a much, take on it. I have possible. a take on it. But I, but long story short, they're gonna ease Saquon back into this, and I don't I don't think we're gonna see very much of him at all in training camp. Yeah, no, no, and for that reason, I don't think you should ground him like ground and pound him early in early on in the season. Oh, because he didn't have that much training camp. You know, we we I talk I it's been a while since I've talked about it, but the fantasy football data shows. And when you're talking about running backs and overall performance, I think sometimes it's helpful. Production. When you're talking about production, I feel sometimes looking at the fantasy football data is kind of helpful. So a lot of that data shows that, you know, one year removed from an ACL injury, or for in his case, he did like ACL, MCL meniscus i mean he needed to wait almost like an entire week or week and a half for some swelling to come down so he actually can get surgery on it but also one of the good things is that i think he only needed surgery on the acl and the rest of everything else recovered naturally but neither here nor there the data shows that it's going to be this year that barkley's production may be eh maybe decent maybe all right but next year and ironically enough it'll be his contract year 
next year there is like a perfect recipe for Saquon Barkley to have like an insanely really good year. You saw it with Marcus Golden. Uh, Marcus Golden, one year removed from the ACL, had a bad year in Arizona. Comes to the Giants, the second year removed from the ACL. Number, He gets involved in a little bit of a better system, but also he has a really insane year. Um, same thing happened with Dalvin Cook. He tore his ACL. One year, came back, eh, and then last year it was like, boom, he really, really hit. Um, and a lot of the data shows that it that's a common trend among those guys. So I'm all for like easing Saquon back in because Bobby... I, I think it is way more important for the Giants to have Saquon Barkley weeks, week 18, week 17, week 18, than week 1. Because I'm looking back at the uh, at the explosive play data from last year. The first 8 games of the season. Not a single run of 20 plus yards by a running back. Through the first half of the season, Bobby Skinner. Half of the season last year, the first 8 games. There's not a single run of 20 plus yards by somebody not named Daniel Jones. And I would like to think with Saquon Barkley on the field, that happens at least in the first two quarters of the season. So we need him. We need him here for the second half of the season. I don't want to rush him back and get him hurt in the regular season, early in the regular season, so then he's like working his way back or working through something. We need him here, so there is no excuses for this Giants team this year. Yeah, and... Because we really didn't get to see him at all last year, man, I really do think we forget how special Saquon like and I'm not like when I say we, I'm talking about myself. Like sometimes I forget like how special he is. And then you look at things, it's like, oh yeah, he had more receiving yards week one than our running backs had all year. You know, like our no running back not even our running backs combined for one game matched what he did in that week one matchup versus Steelers. And it wasn't like he had like some crazy receiving game. You know where he was super involved. He basically like took two catches and, and gained a ton of yards with him. Um, you mentioned that that stat with the explosive, you know, the big runs. Week one of 2019, the first drive, what happened? Saquon for 60 yards. You know, week member uh, versus Buffalo. If you want to give Pat Trimmer credit or anything, it's his opening drives. Um, that, yes. Remember that first drive versus Buffalo? We <laughs> ran the ball every single play. It was like six yards, oh, yeah. seven. It was six carries, like seventy-five yards for a touchdown. To like, oh crap! Is it going to be this easy this year? Yeah, that's, and I that's remember what we're after Week One, the talking point like they need to run Saquon more, and then the first drive they literally ran him every single play, and they scored a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so you do forget how special he is. So, like you said, you don't want to rush him back and lose him um, later on in the season because he's forcing it, like kind of like they did with Dan, you know, with DJ. You know, where yeah. he's he's overcompensating to protect his hamstring and then he sprains his freaking ankle in the game and it's like this guy is like screwed right now. So yeah. ease him back yeah, in. Yeah, I, I, I would when, just when rather I say ease him back in, I don't think that means fifty fifty carries. I think that means more maybe like you know, like I I think easing Saquon in back in still equals like fifteen carries, right? Oh yeah. And he averaged around fifteen carries, sixteen. I mean, fifteen carries is a lot of games. Well, like when fifteen you're losing, carries per it's game, a lot of carries. If we're winning, yeah. hopefully it's a little more. Yeah, because I mean, he averaged fifteen carries per game his rookie year, and he had an insane rookie year. Um, also, he he got a lot of receptions too. And I don't think he's going to get that. Like, he's not going to get the same receiving work that he got his rookie year because Daniel Jones is not the same type of quarterback as Eli Manning. But really, what it comes down to, short short talking point for Saquon with me. It's more important that he's on the field week 17, week 18 than he is week one because I don't want to be looking back at this season and having John Mara, Dave Gunnelman, Jason Garrett, Joe Judge talking to us at the end of the season. 
Well, we didn't have Saquon, and that kind of hurt. So let's have him, even if it's bringing him along nicely in the beginning so he's up to full speed. And if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. You can't you can't control it, but let's not force it, in the, at least in the beginning of the year. Yeah, it was good to, it was good to hear from him. I mean, it was good to hear from really everybody besides, yes. besides the next guy we're going to talk about is Jason Garrett. You know the meme um, with Gordon Ramsay where it's like me talking to this person versus me? It's like, oh, you precious. And then it's like, you donkey. That is the way mm-hmm. I am with Jason Garrett and Patrick Graham. Where Patrick Graham, I'm like giggling. Ooh, that's a good answer. Wow, awesome stuff. <laughs> really like that. And Jason Garrett's just like, shut up, please. It's like, so he actually gave something like a good piece of information that I got from Jason Garrett. And it's something that we talked about, so it kind of confirms what our thoughts were, is that they looked at Daniel Jones 2019, and Jason Garrett specifically, he says this, and we heard that, you know, Colin Coward had said something a couple months back where where uh, Garrett had relayed this to him, is they didn't, they looked at the turnovers and like, we got to cut down the turnover. Like, that was their main focus in 2020, which frustrates me, because it's like, why couldn't we let Daniel Jones just get better at not turn the ball over on himself? And still trying to keep an aggressive offense and cut it, like having some turnovers, but cutting them down. And that's the way they uh, uh, attacked 2020. And that's what's that kind of sucks. You know, now hopefully this year they have to open it up a little more, but it does suck that they went from the 19th ranked offense to the 31st ranked offense. And you can bring up all the players, but the 2019 players weren't anything special either. And really the biggest difference was the way they attacked playing offense. Where it's like we got to be conservative, we got to be careful, um, which ended up being even a little more risky because it was like the defenses were sitting on routes and realizing yes. they didn't have to, you have to you have to cover their asses deep. And did it? It didn't even really make Daniel Jones like that offense less turnovers because the fumbles he got hit more and just ha- like he just like the fumbles are all on Daniel Jones himself. And the interceptions he had ten and fourteen games, which is you know better than. Um, actually the interceptions were different because he didn't have Jones didn't have any passes tipped off of hands in 2019. So all of his interceptions were real deal interceptions where I eight eight were, were like really on him. And one of them wasn't even interceptions. that wall. You know, I did the clip of his touchdowns and interceptions. It pisses me off. They counted that one versus Washington where he throws off the back of the end zone and they counted the safety as in that pissed me off. But anyways, he did get better at the interceptions type stuff. Um, but it just sucks that we, you know, on a year where we our defense was ranked ninth, we had an offense that was ranked thirty first. So please, Jason Garrett, open it freaking up this year. Yeah, by wanting to rein in Daniel Jones a little bit in twenty twenty, you know, because that's what that's basically what Jason Garrett said. You know, we want we wanted to rein him in, we wanted to cut down the turnovers by making the offense more conservative. It made it worse, and it arguably made it more prone to turnovers. So, I mean, I know you already just said that, um, but just to say it, I guess, in, in less words, which good for me, putting something in less words. Um, yeah, uh, he did. Now, I will say, I this is where I will defend him a little bit. I don't really have a problem with him saying, like, heading into this year that we wanted to cut down on Daniel Jones's turnovers because we were saying the same thing, too. We were saying the same thing. Now, we The we way we wanted, wanted it to be attacked is totally different though correct correct we wanted it to be not at the expense of his eye of the tiger like keep my eyes downfield and stand in the pocket take a hit which we wanted I'm him to get they're... better at not turning the ball over by getting to his check down quicker 
not totally changing right. the offense and getting rid of all the good things that led to all those exciting touchdowns of 2019 and four touchdown game, multiple four touchdown games, and being the only guy who threw a touchdown versus New England, you know, so. And it didn't work, you know, so it's like you can say like, oh, like it, it flat out the way they did it didn't work. And if they don't change it drastically this year, it's not going to work this year. It'll be better than last year because you have a lot better players. But, you know, if they don't if they don't change the way they do things from pre-snap motion to their route combinations, they're it's not going to be a good offense no matter how good these players are. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, we have philosophical disagreements with Jason Garrett. Um, but I, I didn't really have a problem with what he said because it's like, yeah, that was a goal that everyone had for Daniel Jones heading into 2020 was reducing the turnovers. But then, you know, I obviously Jason Garrett isn't really going to say this during a press conference that, yeah, you know, largely that why the turnovers did happen kind of in the first place is because we have repetitive route concepts and our receivers can't get separation and Daniel Jones is constantly throwing in the tight windows. He obviously cannot say that and he won't say that. Um, but I will say, you know, the reason why we don't get a lot out of Jason Garrett is I feel a lot of great questions are asked to Pat Graham, or at least Pat Graham is, is very much open to talking about like, yeah, we're going to run more zone. We did run a, or we're going to run a lot more man. We did run a lot more zone last year. So he's very open to talking about that. You know, no, they don't ask Jason Garrett about like route concepts, wide receiver separation, and you know he brought up the explosivity by himself. He did say that we need to be more explosive, which I'm glad that he just brought up. But you know, it's like just stating the obvious. It's does a bear shit in the woods. Um, not a lot of great questions are asked to Jason Garrett, so there's it's tough to get anything from him. I wish he had they the shortest him press whenever, conference all week. Like it was like five minutes. Yeah. It's crazy how he's like. This is like. This is. How did he that's handle like the person this in Dallas? We, like, I didn't watch Jason Garrett pressers in Dallas. How did like? He hated it. He hated it. He one hundred percent hated it. It, it. I think he. I don't want to say he has anxiety, um, but I remember reading some somewhere nice that guy. he just hated Such the media. A nice guy. Um, like J- who? Me? Jason Garrett. Oh, like you could tell. Like he's just a nice, like wholesome person, which is why the mayors probably love him. Um. <laughs> Patrick Graham on the other side. By the way, congrats. Patrick Graham got skinny. Oh, yeah. Like, that, as soon as he that I was done, I was like, oh, boy, man, you got. And, you know, I saw him down at the Senior Bowl, and he, he was, you know, pretty hefty guy. And I'm not throwing stones over here. I'm just saying. Um, and he said it. And someone actually asked him about it, and he was like, yeah. He's like, I was, I've never been heavier than I was at the end of the season. So, um, I, I, but he looks skinny. So, good for him. Um, Come play basketball with me, Coach Pat. Um, your brother will break his ribs. Yeah, yeah, I won't take shots at your ribs. Um, <laughs> he did say it was his dream job, though, and that's why he turned down the Jets interview. Um, yeah, but then like later he said, "Well, we're all gonna we're all gonna look for our own professional opportunities." Which I texted you before I before I listened to the full press conference, and then you and then you texted back and you said, "Listen to the full comment." I was I I thought I was legitimately going to ask you and I thought we were going to have a conversation of are people actually taking that seriously? And well, now you I'll can you push both. back on that and say where he did say later he's like listen, it's everyone it's natural to want to progress in your career, you know, so like when he was asked if he would ever want to be a head coach, he basically said yes, well, like, you know, you get asked a, a yes no question and you you don't say no, it it means yes, you know. So like he does want to be a head coach eventually. But at the same time, he did turn down an interview with the Jets, which I think me like that does mean something, you know. It, it like and it, it doesn't hurt to interview, 
you know, and he did get a, you know, where's, you know, a, got his contract restructured, which we would assume is a pay raise. Um, but the fact that he didn't take that interview, I don't care if it comes with a pay raise is like, that does mean something. And, and people talk about how, Hey, you know, sometimes your first interview is just kind of understanding it. And then the next year is when you get that job. That's what we thought Joe judge's interview was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fun. <laughs> Funny looking back, which. You know, it's like, yeah, we can do all the research in the world. And it's like the one guy we didn't spend any time really researching with Joe Judge and he gets the job. You know, Pat Grant, like, like he like he does want to be a head coach, but it, it does mean something that he stayed here. And he said working with his friend Joe. And I do think that is a huge thing is that him and Joe Judge, the shake and bake thing is real. They are they are like really good friends, you know, from. You know, just the way you see them interact, the way they work together, the fact that Patrick Graham was the only other coach to go down to the Senior Bowl. Jason Garrett didn't go. Dave Gettleman didn't even go to the Senior Bowl this year, but Patrick Graham was down there. And the fact that, you know, he changed his license plate to Shake and Bake after our shirt, shout out us. Like, they are really good friends, and I do think Pat, like, values that. And it's probably a good reason why he left Miami from a similar role. I know Flores kind of took more of the, the range, like, play calling. But just being like, like I want to go – like. Joe Judge, like him and Joe Judge are really good friends, and I do think he values that and being here with the Giants. Yeah, and you're sen- you're sensing it this year, and that's and that's kind of like what I said at the beginning of the show. You're sensing it this year, um, and it's just fun. I mean, even the players, you know, Jabril dropped the line. You know, the that's that's the magic. Uh, it's the power, and, the and magic Logan of Ryan uh, both Patrick. Said the beauty of Patrick Graham when they were the asked beauty about of Patrick playing Graham. multiple safeties on the field and stuff. Yeah, um, which we'll talk about those two guys in, in a couple minutes. The other thing is, now this is something we all assume because of the way they attacked the offseason by adding Adore Jackson and Aaron Robinson, is, you know, what we said last year is like, hey, they they came out trying to play some man coverage, especially on third down. It did not work, and they went more to zone, but like, hey, they want to play man coverage. Like, Patrick Graham basically said that without, like, blatantly saying it. He, I mean, he, he did say that we tried to do some more man stuff earlier in the year and then had to change up and play more zone. So... Like, get ready for that. Get ready for some third down blitzes with the addition of Dory Jackson. Yep. I wouldn't even throw Aaron Robinson in there right now because you know, he might not even get playing time this year or, or not substantial. I do think Darnay wins that job. But expect him to play more man coverage like and to be more aggressive and blitz and to you know trust that back end more than they did in 2020 when they had Isaac Yadam, Ryan Lewis, and Corey Ballantyne playing that cornerback spot. Yep. This is a secondary that is full of guys that force incompletions. So even if quarterbacks target them often, they are guys that all pretty much top the NFL. Logan Ryan uh, was top 10 for like free safeties and safeties for passes deflected. Jabril Peppers, I think, was number one for strong safeties in the NFL and passes deflected. And he had his career year, best year last year. Um in terms of passes deflected. Same thing with James Bradbury. He had a career uh, best year in 2020 with passes deflected, forced incompletions. That's why I think he is recognized as one of the best corners in the National Football League. You know, because not you know not only if he is targeted, I think that's kind of cool, where he is targeted maybe a little bit, decent amount. It's not like Byron Jones where he's targeted twice a game and then that's it. He's targeted a decent amount, but then whenever the play goes to him, he's more likely than not to force that incompletion because he's not allowing a lot of separation. And Adoree Jackson, when he's healthy, when he's going right, he's the same type of deal. So I'm I'm very proud of us. I'm giving us a pat on the back for a second because this was a take that we have had all 
offseason. And in terms of, we were even saying this before free agency. We were like, all dependent on how the Giants want to address cornerback two. Whether it's just staying pat with Yadam and maybe promoting Julian Love. And it's like, great. You know, then we'll just rock and roll with the defense we had last year. You know, bending but don't breaking. And, you know, hopefully that works. But, you know, that may not be sustainable. But I think Patrick Graham looked at it and said, listen, he said it. In order to be successful, have sustainable success on the defensive side of the ball, you do need to play man coverage. And your man needs to beat your man. Um, offenses are going to be able to read through that zone defense and figure out the holes, especially now that there's one whole year of filming. So depending on how the Giants attack this offseason, that will be dependent on how Patrick Graham's scheme progresses or how it doesn't progress. Is it going to go back to what it was in Miami, where he was blitzing a ton playing single high safety with man coverage, or is it going to continue to be the same where they're playing cover three and they're dropping three guys deep and they're preventing anything from getting behind them? So I'm very proud of us that we have been on top of that like all offseason, and I'm very happy. Also, about, can you? I'm very happy. Also, can you read the ad? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of things that make us happy, Patrick Graham makes us happy. Um, Jason Garrett makes us want to punch a, well, makes me want to punch Bobby Skinner in the face. But you want to know what doesn't want to make me punch Bobby Skinner in the face? It's DraftKings Sportsbook. It's not only my favorite sportsbook, but also it's America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate. It has plenty of instructions for new betters and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family, they've been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too, and you're going to use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up. So listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. You have 15 seconds to give me a thought on how in the world Derrick Rose was nominated for a first place MVP nomination. I think it was like the fans or something did that. So the fans? I don't know. I didn't really look into how would I think the fans usually, might like, get one vote or something. The fans? Derrick Rose? He was the next best player. Not Julius Randle? Did you watch the playoffs? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. I, don't, I do not understand how that happened. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code JOHNBOY for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 109 with it. Bobby Skinner, say something. Let's go Nets. The shirt's too big. I got to shrink it. But it's actually nice fabric, so I don't know if it's going to shrink the way I want it to shrink. Oh, well. It's a nice shirt. I know. I love this shirt, but it's... See, what happened is I got the tall version of it, which, it, you know, I usually don't, but it's like, oh, it, it has that option. And it's just too baggy. Which, back... I, I miss the baggy days. Like, when I was in middle school, it was very, like, you wear baggy clothes. Like, that was... I'm, I like baggy clothes, but it's... But it's over now. Um, Nets will be up 3-0 when you're listening to this podcast. They're up 2-0 while, while we're recording it. All right. Um, some other last little notes before we uh, head off for the weekend. Logan Ryan. When people were asking who we wanted to interview, and this is why I said I think he would not be the greatest interview for Talking Giants because he is the he is Mr. Perfect. Every answer is Mr. Perfect. He's making jokes with the beat reporters. I mean, 
to call up Jason Seahorn and Shell Roll and Corey Webster to get tips from them, I mean, is awesome. And it's also the most like pander move to the Giants fan base <laughs> of all time. I mean, Especially Seahorn. To throw Seahorn in there. It's just it's like I love that he does it, but it's it's just such a pander move. Like he's he is too, he is Mr. Perfect. Logan Ryan is like Mr. Perfect. And I know people are like, why are you saying it with that tone? It's just funny. Like they like this guy, every answer is like in depth. He's, you know, making, you know, like, you know, you know, some of y'all would have would have fell out. It was so hot out there, and and you weren't even running around like making fun of the beat reports. Which, by the way, Burton Burns passed out. Glad he's doing all right. He's kind of old. Glad he's doing good. Uh, but he's just Mister Perfect. Like if we ever do interview him, which someone is like, why wouldn't you interview Logan Williams? Like, oh no, we'll definitely interview him. But it's like they asked what our our like most favorite one would be. That will be your first. My question. first question is do like, you- what's the last thing that you did where it was like, man, that was kind of screwed up. What was the last mistake that you made in your life? Not even mistake. Like, what was the last thing you did where you're like, oh, that was kind of like scummy, you know? Like, do you do you, have you ever like have you littered in the last year or anything? Like, mm. you know? No, he has not. <laughs> you can't see it. And he has like a foundation for like for dogs, dogs and stuff. Come on, that, um, that pulls up people's heartstrings. I know he's Mister Perfect, and I'm, and I and I love it. But it's just that funny. that answer sounds like sounded like the personification of Joe Judge. It sounded like if you were to put Joe Judge's spirit inside of a player, because you know he talked no, about no, his- because Joe Judge is a little scummy too. Like, no, he- no, Joe Judge, but he but he talks about like the history of this organize or of the organization. Well, I almost said organization, like he's Odell Beckham Jr. says it. Um, like you know, Judge has like a little like little like scummy, and that's why I love Joe Judge so much. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, like I'm not saying Joe Judge threw batteries when he was in Philly. I'm just saying that he probably got amused by the batteries being thrown. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And that's like mm-hmm. kind of where I land as a person. It's like, you know, I'm not going to do that stuff. Like when Ye- when Yankees fans were throwing baseballs on the field a couple months ago and everyone was like, this is a disgrace. It's like, am I going to be the guy that throws a baseball on the field? No. But I am going to laugh. Like it is kind of funny to me, you know, and I think Joe Judge falls into that same category, which – Speaking of which, Joe Judge just—he said that he's a big fan of the the joint practices, and that's what I said he was the day before. So just can you know what? If big there was fan eight, of them. If there was eight things that he said that were hints that he listens, I think that would be like lowest on the totem pole. So yeah, because I mean, I think we're just having a little too them. much fun with it now, where it's like, oh my god, did Joe Judge breathe too? Does he listen to talking? <laughs> he breathed at the same time. Where it's like we, we have do? some pretty good evidence. You know, piled up, but like you know, sometimes we might reach a little bit on it. It was a reach, um, a little bit. Yeah, and then people thought like I was saying Jordan Renan copied me. And- you know what? When I first saw it, I was I I had to do a double take. I had to do a double take. I'm like, oh, this is a quote from Joe Judge, so it doesn't matter who it's coming from. It just came from. It just was tweeted out by Jordan Renan. But yeah, I could I could see where people got confused. Yeah. Anyways, um. So that's it on Logan Ryan. Jabril Peppers, which at first I wanted to talk about this a little bit, maybe less now, but he isn't a contract year. He's a, you know, they like him, but we've talked about, you know, there could be a chance that they don't bring him back. You know, uh, you know, Xavier McKinney is here. They signed Logan Ryan to that extension. There is a chance that Pep isn't extended, you know, that they don't give him a new contract. And then his first interview of his contract year, he's wearing a CAA sports, which is his agency. Um, 
and that just can't be an accident. Like, right? Like, that can't be an accident. No, probably not. Um, trying to do whatever he can to promote himself. And I, I really don't blame him. And No, of course not. I think it's I, it, it has to be feasible to bring him back. He's not going to demand Landon Collins' money. I would hope not. I don't think any safety should ever demand it, let alone Landon Collins, who wasn't like, like, was like, Jabril Peppers is so much better than Landon Collins. It's crazy. Yeah, but still, Jabril Peppers never had a year where he was like around defensive player of the year territory. Yeah, Landon Collins had a bunch of tackles and then he had some interceptions fall in his lap and they're like, is this the best defender in the league? Yeah. That's what happened with Landon Collins. Like, he was a very good box safety and he had like, there was like three weeks in a row where he had interceptions fall in his lap. And it's like, is this guy Lawrence Taylor? No, but I mean, let's let, I mean, Logan Ryan is year one into year three of the extension. And he's what, 31, 32 years old. There's probably some sort of out after year two for Logan Ryan, where if the Giants wanted to get out of it, they, they can, maybe they eat a little dead cap. Let's hope he just plays all three years and we love him and he's great. But there's always, there's always some sort of out. I feel like in a contract of like the final year after the second year. After the second year. And so, really, we haven't seen anything of Xavier McKinney yet besides just a little bit of promise for the last couple, you know, last final game. So, maybe, maybe we're that's having... what they're waiting for to see right. what Xavier McKinney is. Exactly. But also, if the league is trending towards having more secondary pieces on the field, and that's exactly what, you know, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, and Patrick Graham, that's what they were all. No, Patrick, Graham's, Patrick Graham said if he had a choice, he would put 11 defensive tackles out on the field. But I don't think that's true. I think he just said that to appease those guys. But all the secondary guys are like, yeah, we want more defensive backs on the field. And that's where the league is trending. So I, I've i had some dis- I've had some discussions with some you know listeners in, in, the, in, in the DMs where some of them have been like, I think signing Ingram is a little bit more important than signing Peppers. And I'm like, I'm just at a point where I kind of want to sign, like, I'm at a point where I just want to, I want to sign good football players. I want to stop letting good football players kind of walk out the door. And even though the good football players that we have kind of let walk out the door the last couple years, it's kind of worked. I don't want to let a good football player walk out the door. You know, reward yourself for like a good trade. Reward yourself for a good draft pick and and have this guy stay here and kind of stick around and be hopefully a giant for I'm just blown away you got Engram more than... Peppers takes in your I think it's because it's posi- I think it's because of the position the people that message you are they people I probably wouldn't like correct oh anyways <laughs> I'm different um um <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right I like them hopefully Peppers stays um what else? What else do we have? Um, I know we have one more final note that's a little bit more somber, but do we have giant stories? Giant stories, boom. Which are we not playing the music on YouTube? I'm. We're not playing the music on YouTube because I'm going to try some things when I'm fully editing the videos. All right. Well, for podcast. Kale Garrett was at a Yankees and Red Sox game. How about that? Mm. Also, Kale Garrett was with Devontae Downs, Rice and John, and Sandra Platzcomer at Six Flags. All the worst players on the roster bonding. Matt Parrott was at a Rock the Block block party in Rockaway, New York. Honestly, it looked like a lot of fun. Colin Gillespie went to the Belmont Stakes. Horse races. Nerd. 
Um, was gonna make a really mean joke, but it's like, I need to grow up and make past that. I was gonna make it someone is a horse joke. Aaron Robinson was hanging out in Central Park. Tay Crowder, Lorenzo Carter, and Ellerson Smith were at the Nets Bucks game. No one made it to the next game because they don't play anymore. Alex Bachman was at a women's soccer game. I'm not sure who the teams were. Reggie Raglan was also went to a Yankees game. Andrew Thomas found Bambi in his in his front yard. And this might be the most bizarre giant story of all time. Danny Shelton was horseback riding. And that's giant stories. How did Danny Shelton? Don't do that to that horse, man. You no, are man, too big to be on that tough. horse. That ain't right. That's and I hate to be mean about it, but it's like, Danny Shelton, man. Like you ain't made for horses. Did you see him? They they showed him in some clips of. Yeah, he's huge. I oh love him, dude. God. Like, he's the most underrated sign. Like no one's talking about. It. He's the most underrated signing of the offseason. Is he 75? Is that his number? 75? Yes. Yeah, he's he's ginormous. He's a mountain. I cannot wait to see, like, week one, it's like, okay, let's see how things work out. I can't wait to see what Danny Shelton's impact is week one. Like, he can he can be a beast for us. Like, I'm very excited for him, but don't freaking ride horses, dude. Um How much does it, so how much does he weigh? I'm gonna I, I have this up right here. He it's weighs probably like three eighty. Three hundred and let's just round it up to three hundred and fifty. Three hundred and fifty. He weighs pounds. more than three hundred fifty pounds. How much does he weighs more than three hundred? Andrew horse, Thomas is like three hundred thirty pounds. How much does a horse weigh? Or no, three hundred fifty. So he he's about. So a horse can weigh up to eight hundred forty pounds to two thousand two hundred pounds. So he's half a horse. <laughs> um, he's a big dude. Um, let's see. <laughs> We now, love you, Danny Shelton. This is all I love him too, but don't ride horses, dude. The 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 baby deer that Andrew Thomas saw really did look like Bambi. Like you really don't see those baby deers. Where I was almost worried about Andrew Thomas' safety. It's like that mother is probably right around the corner is going to just, try just and kill pull you. them right in the back of the head. Yeah, so you got to be careful. Um, Colin Gillespie's at Belmont. Do you get into horse racing at all? Like I used to watch the Kentucky Derby. Now it's it's on draft weekend now, so it's like I don't watch it. But I used to, like, watch the Kentucky Derby. Like, the last big horse I remember, like, paying attention to was Smarty Jones. No, a lot of my friends want to make their way down to Monmouth. And I've been saying, hey, I mean, there's even, you know, East, East Rutherford, um, Meadowlands, too. So they want to make their way down there. It's one of those things where a lot of my friends are like, yeah, we need to do this. But they're probably never going to do it. So if they yeah, don't like do it, then I It'd be like a fun one-time thing. I'm sure, I'm sure it's, a, it's a nice little event. Yeah. Um... I've never been to Six Flags. Never? Well, we have all the theme parks down here, so it's like Six Flags oh, yeah. is like the minor leagues. Oh, it's the big big major leagues in New Jersey. Exit 7, I want to say 7A off the New Jersey Turnpike. Which is where they were, but it's like I have Universal Studios. Yeah. Um, Disney. Islands of Adventure. Disney's, Disney's even like the, the roller coaster. Like the SeaWorld um, roller coasters are pretty awesome. Um, That's not shut down? No. Oh, they just don't have animals there anymore. They do, but they... But they don't do the, the or- shows. The orcas are... It's a little... I haven't been since those orcas were shut down. I do remember commenting... Because remember, like, they decided they were going to shut down the shows because of, you know, the you know the Blackfish movie and, like, all the PETA stuff. Um, PETA, yes. PETA. What was the... Forget his name. Let's see... World. I think his name was Nico. 
see no. the world. Um, that was was re- Tillycum. Tillycum. Excuse me. His name was his name was Tillycum. Okay. Um, and so the week they shut down the shows, which was like you know January first, Tillycum died. So I remember like me and my friends thinking it's funny, like commenting on on Peta afterwards. Being like, he died of a broken heart. He loved to perform, and mm. you guys killed him. True. Which is, you know, which is just good, harmless fun. You know, like that's that's what the internet's of. Like that's the kind of fun you should have on the internet. Is saying that like Tillicum died of a broken heart. Um, I never watched Blackfish because I just didn't want to see all that. Because I remember growing up, like watching, you know, like I loved SeaWorld. I love going and watching the shows. So I get that there's a lot of abuse in it, but I was like, I just don't want to watch that. You know. I don't blame you. Um, Shamu, Shamu was my guy. Like I, I was a big Shamu fan. Like and I, like they even got like they got rid of the splash zone. Like that was, I mean, you would go to SeaWorld and you would go to the show and you would yep. get soaked. Um, so rest in peace, Tillycum. Um, that's basically it. Um, all right. So I hate doing this type of stuff. Yes. Yeah, speaking of rest in peace. I, I do hate doing this stuff, but it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't mention it. You, you know, um, you know, John, uh, you know, Fossil passed away. Jim. Um, which is sad, you know, like he was my, you know, Jim Fossil was my, he was my, my, you know, he was my first head coach, you know, and it, it is very rare to have a, a New York head coach who got fired. You know, Tim, you know, Tom Coughlin technically wasn't fired, but he was, but he won two Super Bowls for a guy who, did go to Super Bowl, but didn't win a Super Bowl, get fired, and, and you just never heard anybody say anything bad about Fossil. Nope. You know? Like, I, I like you never hear, like, on Twitter where everybody's negative and people will, will nitpick stuff on ev- on basically every single person who's been a part of the Giants organization or whatever team, especially in New York. You just never heard anything bad say said about Fossil, and his players seem to love him. Um, You know, like, I, I, I like Fossil. You know, obviously I wasn't as aware when he was the coach. Um, but he was the, you know, the head coach when I first got into the Giants. So, you know, obviously, you know, the condolences to his family and everything, um, you know, it's obviously for, for us, it's not like the, a family member dying, but it is sad. And, you know, I did think about him a lot that day. Big Blue VCR did a pretty good job that day posting yeah. videos, um, of that stuff. So I, I, I just, I didn't think it'd be right if we did this show and didn't mention, mention him. Yeah, with, and with doing Bleeding Blue, um, we actually have focused a lot of, about a lot on the '90s and early 2000s Giants more than I thought that we would, like in our first year of, you know, rebranding that show. And we've talked a lot about Jim Fossil. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy how the Giants franchise went from Parcells, you know, obviously Bill Parcells, Hall of Famer, you know, best coach in franchise history. Um, to go from Ray Hanley, who was just a disaster, who I think everybody and I just forget about. And then you have Dan Reeves, who is just the ultimate disciplinarian. And I think the, the really the, the common thread of Parcells and Reeves is that those were two guys that were largely disciplinarians. And, you know, Fossil was kind of like the furthest thing from it. Um, they lost the NFC Championship game, and he took out his team. that He rented out a movie theater and celebrated that season. Um, and he was very much always just like a player's guy. I mean, the fact that we've, you know, we heard some quotes from Kerry Collins, you know, saying, you know, I would not have had basically any kind of career if it wasn't for Jim Fossil and the kind of the the care that he took to that. And the fact that it worked for both of them, 
You know, Fossil, it's the only job that he ever, it's the only head coaching job that he ever had in the National Football League. And him and Kerry Collins worked together. Um, you know, they worked together largely for that that 12-win season that they had in 2000. And obviously, the you know, I'm pushing my uh, chips in the middle of the table where we are going to the playoffs. You know, that speech where even though the Giants were like 7-4 and four at that time, I didn't really feel like it was necessary for Jim Fossil to really say, I'm shoving my poker chips in the middle of the table, this team is going to the playoffs. Like, they kind of were going to the playoffs. But you want to know what it worked. They went on a five-game winning streak to end the regular season. Um, and they obviously, the 41 to nothing NFC Championship game against the Minnesota Vikings, shutting down that elite offense and, and also putting up 41 points at home was unbelievable. The Jason Seahorn tipped interception in that divisional game. Unbelievable. And the fact that he won NFL Coach of the Year in 1997, his yeah. rookie season, was absolutely awesome. Giants were kind of like in a little bit of a dark time, especially with Ray Hanley and even with a little bit with Dan Reeves. You know, they were in the middle of like a quarterback turmoil, finding out who their next guy was going to be after Phil Simms. And and Jim Fossil brought him out of like that dark time. Yeah, that Super Bowl year was my basically my first year as a Giants fan. You know, that's the first year where I was like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm a Giants fan. Let me watch the Giants, you know, and... So, so yeah, you know, we'll, uh, you know, it, it, it does think, you know, um, obviously the family is, is probably feeling it pretty hard. Um, so anyways, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we have a uh, six weeks of no breaking news. Like, can we, can we make this next six weeks? No breaking news. And what I, what I mean by no breaking news, nobody get arrested in these next six weeks. You know, I don't feel like, uh. I don't feel like uh, scruffing the dust off of any criminal justice textbooks or. By the way, I like listened that. to our D- our first DeAndre Baker episode last year. Sure. And we literally got everything right how that case went, like every. It's kind of crazy, like how like we even were like honestly like I was like I can see this whole case being dropped like these people that he like are accusing him are. Su- Anyways, um, go listen to it. How about that over the weekend if the you want more talking giants. Go, yeah, back go listen to the so, first 20 minutes of that episode where we talk about it. So DeAndre Baker arrested. That's the name of the episode, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back on Tuesday. Going to try and get an interview. Not not guaranteed, but we'll do that. And then we have, you know, the 2022 draft week, the week after that. And then uh, we do our 4th of July mailbag. We, you know, we, we make the most out of this six weeks. We don't just mail it in. So um, we appreciate you guys. We will see you next week. Until then, let's go. Big blue.